0: To see you
1: everyone this is colin of cream corn the universe and this week i have amy of clarity Eyewear boutique to discuss the log lady i think she has a lot of wonderful insight and i hope you enjoy today's episode
0: so my name is amy king and um yeah i live in north bend which is the real twin peaks where you know the the show is uh most of the pilot and some other things were filmed and um i've been here for about four years in Washington and I opened my optical boutique about a little over two years ago. And, uh, it's just a normal optical with boutique, you know, I sell glasses and contacts and stuff and I specialize in recycled and sustainable eyewear. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a Twin Peaks inspired collection of eyewear. So, you know, glasses that are similar to glasses worn in the show. Mm-hmm. That's really fun.
1: Actually, that's how that's how we met, because uh, when I went to Washington, uh, I was recommended, like, oh, make sure you check it out. They have, like, a lot of stuff like Dr. Jacoby glasses, which I end up getting, like, not long after I got there. Yeah, they're awesome. But no, I think the one thing I thought was interesting is that, um, and one of the reasons why I wanted you to be on the Log Lady episode is because, uh, like, I saw you had her symbol, like, on the logo of Clarity Iwer Boutique. So mm-hmm. I always kind of figured that, like, oh, if there's someone who has a lot to say about uh, the Log Lady, it has to be Amy
0: right i kind of feel like she's a good uh, a good um, you know avatar for my business cuz mm-hmm. her she's she's very well known for her glasses and and she's if i had to pick a character from twin peaks if somebody made me pick one to be my favorite which is extremely hard to pick it would probably be the log lady mm-hmm. i just i think she's amazing and you know doesn't oh. have those
1: iconic eyewear oh absolutely and i yeah, I think the thing is that um i don't know if you ever saw it online but there's someone who has the screen time of like all the characters throughout all three seasons in Firewalk with me and believe it or not she's only in it all for like 15 minutes really yeah no that's the thing is that it's like a i don't know if we ever do this on rewatches but you'll have a character that stands out and mm-hmm. then you'll be like oh this character's barely in this season or this character is, doesn't have that much screen time but uh, no, it's crazy to think that she actually has way almost double the time in her log lady intros than she does in like anything throughout all three seasons of the movie. That's
0: amazing because she's such a huge impactful character
1: to the show. Oh, absolutely. And Only I think,
0: fifteen minutes of screen time?
1: It's close to that. It's like oh, I would say fourteen to seventeen minutes. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, so I think the fact that uh, and uh, the other thing that's interesting is that how uh, how she was like the first character that Lynch had in mind when it was just the Law Girl back in the days of Eraserhead, right. or sound like it would be like the most esoteric PBS special that he could have had with like the Law Girl testing every branch of knowledge.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But I guess that also leads to uh, like I guess I guess two things is that the first one is that I think of all the characters, not that Lynch or Frost would ever uh, confirm or deny it. But I actually view her as, like, the closest we'll ever get to an objectively right character throughout, like, all of Twin Peaks.
0: Right, yeah. That's why, like, I know that a lot of people, they say that the people, the townspeople thought she was crazy. But I feel like she was probably, you know, next to Hawk, the most intuitive and, you know, plugged in person on the show. You know, she knew what was going on. She knew stuff that most people didn't know.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, it's uh actually makes you think how um in the final dossier they talk about how Hawk where he's the one that ends up having her log and uh they give a what I think is actually a pretty good ambiguous conclusion that he has it at home and he hasn't heard it talk yet. No. But uh but yeah, like I there's that part of me where and of course I know with Katherine Coulson, like, you know, she uh, literally her last days were filming her scenes for season three. But I do wonder still about what it would have been like if she was able to, like, be around for when it would actually premiere. Like, how her she would be like with Michael Horst, uh, you know, going out to the woods in Glastonbury Grove. Um, I know there's always, like, the what-ifs, but there's just so much to, like, those two characters specifically in season three. I would just love to have think, like, the hypotheticals would have been like for them to really share the screen.
0: Right, I know. That was... in. Uh, and, you know, her her parts in The Return were so short, but again, just so impactful. Like mm-hmm. the, like her, when she passed and they had their little moment in the conference room where he announced to everyone that she passed, it was just, I, I cried like a baby. I still cry every time I see that scene. No, yeah. actually,
1: that's a scene where every time I watch it, like on rewatches, uh, I just realize that it just feels like it gets sadder with each time. I don't know. There's always something like on an emotional level of season three where there's always something that I feel like just clicks with me more than the previous time.
0: Right. So and,
1: <laughs> and and the craziest part about it is that I feel like it's a character that, and I even people who more so who finished just the original series, but you see a lot of people just misconstrue as like f- funny or crazy. Uh, like I think it was um it was either Twin Peaks Unwrapped or like back in the days of Ratchet Plastic. Where uh, they're talking to Captain Coulson about how uh, how they consider her funny, and she immediately has like is like, oh no, I don't think her are funny at all. Right. And right. and to be fair, I definitely get why because you know you see her in the pilot where she's like flicking the lights on and off, and that's like her big claim to fame in in the pilot at least. But uh, for me, like once she like once they go to her cabin, that's when I'm like, okay, there's something else going on.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I, I think the funniest scene that she does is when she spits out her gum in the double R,
1: mm-hmm. her
0: pitch gum. Oh That's, yeah. She does have some funny little, quirky little scenes, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't think she's a funny character at all. I think she's one of the, the deepest, most, yeah, the most mysterious, you know, characters on the whole show. Mm-hmm.
1: And actually, one of the things is that um, uh, every now and then I'll watch uh, the Log Lady intros just to kind of get a sense of like the world that, like, at least specifically how Lynch sees it. Just because I know he directed it, and there's like a lot that went with that. But I think of like just the way she talks about like fire in particular, mm-hmm. where it's like a you know you always kind of know that there's like a more nefarious like interpretation of fire. Wow. But uh, when you watch it, those Bravo intros, it really just like makes you realize that. There is something truly nefarious.
0: Right, yeah. And it's, I don't know how far it goes back for her because, you know, the, I don't know if that just started when she lost her husband, when the fire became that important to her, but, yeah. Because when they were abducted, and, um... I don't think there was really anything too much with fire then. So it must have been that must have kind of come in when, when she lost her husband on
1: their wedding day. Actually, not sure if it's worth mentioning, but uh, I went through the secret history at a quick glance, and one of the things that I wrote down was that the same spot that she was abducted when she was with Carl Rod and the unnamed like third boy was the same spot where she got married in Glass Grove. Oh, and... I
0: didn't realize they got married. Well, I mean, I've read that, but I guess I forgot that, that they yeah. got married in Glass Grove.
1: Oh yeah. No, the thing is that I actually forgot. There was a lot of stuff when I reread that part where I just realized like, Oh, okay. Uh, Cause I know that, um, take the ring. He talked about how reading the secret history is best when you just read like little increments of it little by little. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like for a podcast like this, it's just perfect. Like look through the lens of a particular character yeah, and then yeah. just trying to get through that. Cause there was like a lot of stuff in this, like just from my reread today where I was like, wow, this like, you know it's uh maybe it's not a radical change of the log lady but it definitely has like a different introspection
0: yeah definitely when you look at all the you know everything from all the canon you know the the secret history and the dossier and all of that stuff and you really get more of an understanding of her character and her history mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty
1: amazing yeah. No, I, th- I think at least all of the stuff they uh did on I mean, my reread the one that uh stood out to me the most was um I believe it's in it was in the newspaper article that Robert Jacoby writes is Mm -hmm. that uh, she's more concerned about the environment than nuclear holocaust (laughs) which I think on its own sounds like kind of like a silly throwaway thing but I think that between the way she talks about fire in the woods and also you think of that scene from part eight where it shows the nuclear bomb because that was you can tell Lynch and Frost were adamant about like you know the importance of that about how it's like this like shit like no this like downfall of humanity, of, like, just, like, this irreversible destruction we can't come back from. But right. for her, it's still about, like, the woods, and, like, what is lying and lurking within.
0: Right, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then
0: again, you know, I, I learned, I had forgotten, but that she had, in her history, you know, when she went to college, she uh, majored in forestry and wildlife management, and, I mean, she just really was all about the forest, and and nature, and you know, she's kind of like a little little forest creature.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, I know in the same article where, or not article, the, the Lawrence Jacoby uh, paper, is that uh, he talks about how she was like the one who was like really like, you know, she was like rolling up her sleeves and just doing like whatever, like a no holds barred type of way. Right. And I, I think that, he, and maybe it sounds silly, but I think you can kind of tell like even with Katherine Coulson's performance that that's, that like perfectly fits in line with who she would be before her husband's death and actually not sure if this is worth mentioning but uh they do talk about how her husband died like you know because there was a fire in blue pine mountain and the thing is that years later uh major briggs dies in a fire on blue pine mountain like it's obviously it's not forest fire but it's still right. a fire in the woods that right. uh that like that well, the log lady just actively stresses
0: right right
1: Yeah. No, it makes me wonder. And again, like, I know I'm going through hypotheticals, but if there was like a 1991 ABC season, if like how like Lynch and Frost would have talked about this, because I know that uh, when Mark Frost was promoting conversations with Mark Frost, that there's a lot of stuff that's in season three now that would have been in season three in 1991 had that happened. Uh, Most mostly the Mr. C and Coop being in the in the Black Lodge. But it's still I still think there would be something about Blue Pine Mountain, maybe not Briggs' death, because I you know, Don Davis was geared up for a large role. But I just right. think there's some interesting whether it's some that retroactively fits in or some that just like uh they were deliberate from the start that just I think is like a very striking parallel.
0: Right, right.
1: But uh oh actually no, the other one is that um is that in the case of uh in the case of like before her death, uh and this comes back to her uh being more so someone who's uh more objective is that uh there's that part when she talks to hawk and she starts talking about how she doesn't know what will happen when the electricity goes out and it actually just reaffirms the whole what could we really know about like what happens with uh the ending of party eighteen. right
0: yeah it ties it right into the end Mm
1: yeah that's something that uh i don't, I don't know it's like i I, I actually became a fan after two thousand seventeen so I don't know if like that was like part of the speculation right when it all ended but uh but it is something that I do think about where it's uh where I just think about how uh when she says electricity uh that there's has to be something to that about how uh Hawk might be on the something when he says so, like it's about the intent I think he actually talks about the fire but i i do think there's a more of a commonality of fire and electricity right for sure Mm -hmm. but i i the other one is that oh actually about the fire though is that um in the i believe it's the second last log lady intro where it explicitly shows that she has a boarded up fireplace yeah and uh yeah no it's uh and i again like you look at any of the lynch directed episodes or fire walk with me where uh there's always a fire like when there's something like just horrible brewing whether yeah. it ranges from uh, from Nadine waking up from like her uh, like you know realizing who she is in the season two finale right. or pretty much any scene of like you know in Fire with me when Leland is thinking about like Teresa banks being killed or uh, or the assault of uh, Lauren uh, and uh, Ronette. where uh, there's always just like a very like serious focus on it and uh, I know that fires like a big thing throughout the mythos of not just Twin Peaks but in Lynch's filmography. But mm-hmm. it, there's just something about, like, how he has enough time with, uh, you know, Twin Peaks that makes you realize that, wow, there, there really is something to, you know, to always interpret. And it always points out to being something evil, but I never quite know, the, like, just how far it goes.
0: Right. Yeah, my favorite quote from the log lady is when she sees Laura outside the roadhouse and she says, when this kind of fire starts, it's very hard to put out. The tinder, boughs and innocence burn first, and the wind rises, and then all goodness is in jeopardy.
1: When you look at the use of color in that scene as well, mm-hmm. uh, like for example, like uh, there's like the red behind uh, Laura when she's talking mm-hmm. about it, and then mm-hmm. like you know when she looks in like the dark reflection, that mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's just so crazy where you just like you always feel like there's you feel like maybe you have enough of. a, of an understanding, for lack of a better term, right. but then you'll just find a use of color or a use of reflection. Definitely the use of reflection, right. and it just makes you just look at something either a different light or just uh, finds a way to raise more questions than answers. <laughs> and actually, speaking of uh, reflection, one of the things I did have written down is that uh, her her symbol, uh, like on the back of her leg, how it's perfectly symmetrical. And, uh, I know that, um, you know, obviously like major Briggs's his mark would also be symmetrical as would, you know, still would be like the owl cave symbol, but, but there's something about like, you know, people look into a mirror or, uh, or anything of that nature. And that always is something that stands out to me in terms of like, that, like there's just something not good that's going on with that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But
0: it's kind of like, I, I feel like Twin Peaks as a whole is almost like a mirror for all of us to look in, you know, it, it's so a way for all of us to kind of look at that world and see it mirrored in our own worlds, you know?
1: Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now it's uh, like that, that actually just makes me think because um, I look at it almost as like a, I, I, this might seem a silly, like uh, silly label for it, but I almost look at Twin Peaks like at large, especially what we know from part 17 onward is like a converging reality and uh, whereas, because I, I always think of like how with Laura, where in her case, in the event that she's killed or the event that Cooper uh, tries to rescue her and makes a bad situation worse, mm. for most people, it changes them a lot, yet very little at the same time. Because, mm. yeah, you know, what happens is, uh, you know, she's gone, Leland ends up killing himself, Dale Cooper shows up very briefly, but mm. uh, I, I feel like it changes just enough. And, like, with the exception of characters like Audrey and uh, maybe a few others that people don't really notice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, there's in, in Season 3 where you have, like, the double R where uh, it's the end of Part 7, I believe, where it shows, like, two, like, mirror shots. And, uh, you know, just people just, like, going on about their about their day. has the same music, but then just, like, it keeps on slowly creeping in. Mm-hmm. Or how in Big Ed, when he has double R to go, where it's, like, his reflection in the mirror doesn't quite add up to what he's doing where it's just like it's just those little things that you would never notice. But right. uh that I but I do think there has to be something about like that symbol that adds to that adds to that nature.
0: Right.
1: And I think that like just because like it's like I mean I I personally think it looks like two mountains that are like symmetrical that right. there has to be like and again why I think that Vlogly is so close to being just like as objectively right, is that it has to be about the, you know, the mountains of Twin Peaks and how Mm -hmm. she's always like fixated on like the forest and the woods and everything Mm -hmm. that goes on in there.
0: Right. So what do you think happened to the kids when they disappeared from the forest?
1: I honestly, I think it's something that's probably not that far from what happens to major Briggs. Uh, The the big one is that uh, actually, I guess the, uh, before I get to what I think happened to them, I did remember writing down at one point that, um that like obviously there's uh margaret there's carl rodd and i always actually believed that uh cyril ponds was the third one
0: well it said somewhere it was i think it was in the twin peaks wiki it said that that third person was alan traherne but i don't know who that is
1: that, that's the thing i remember seeing that on the wiki and i remember thinking yeah. to myself as like i was like did i just forget like. Like this little snippet from the secret history.
0: Right, but I don't remember ever seeing that name or hearing that name anywhere else. That may be the only place that it is, but that's the name that I had down for that third person. I
1: I suppose that, you know, when I start going back through the secret history, I'll just see if I can find an Allen in there in some capacity. But right. I remember for the longest time, uh, I always thought it was Cyril Pons because be
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, because I think of like how I forget how it translates, but it's something about like a keeper of knowledge, and it just kind of and I know that we only see him through the lens of like a news report in the original series,
0: right. but also
1: he's there for like when Steven and uh, and Gerson are like just losing right. it in the woods, right. and uh, and I, you know he he goes and strange enough he goes to Carl Rod to basically tell him right. what's going on. Right. Uh, So I don't know, it's like, uh, I I guess I'm not sure if that really answers the question, but that is something I do think about.
0: Right, yeah. I always kind of thought that it was aliens, you know? I mean, they kind of make it look like they've been abducted by UFOs, but then maybe it's not exactly UFOs, it's just a large thing
1: actually that does make me think um and this actually is a bit of a two-parter of a response to that Uh, the first one is that um in conversations with mark frost uh frost was actually talking about how he had the idea of uh owls being aliens i just remember thinking i was like oh wow i'm so glad they never went that route because i just like i was like yeah there's some things that probably sound good like on paper but it would not make it in the final product but um, there was, I think, believe his name was Nathan Miller. He was on uh, an episode of Twin Peaks Unwrapped, like early 2020, and he actually talked about how in the occult that that uh, aliens—it's uh, not the only outlet—but uh, that these interdimensional beings would actually impersonate owls. Yeah. And I thought it was like, okay, Mark Frost is actually far more knowledgeable in the occult than I am, so yeah. maybe he was onto something with that. And but the thing is know. that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like that, like aliens could just be interdimensional beings, like it's all kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. but yeah, they definitely say, you know, I mean, owls are not what they seem, and, and the owls, and, and she asked, um, Kath, um, yeah, Margaret Lanterman, when she, when they found her after they disappeared that time, that next day when she was in the hospital, she asked the doctor if the owl was going to come back, so... You know they definitely, I think the, the owls are like a vessel for some other, you know, otherworldly beings, you
1: know. Oh, yeah, no, so it's fine. yeah. It makes you think how, uh, how like, uh, I mean, we we don't really know what Major Briggs sees or if it just happens to be not in his eyesight, but Dale Cooper at least sees the owl before Major Briggs disappears. Right. And in his case, uh, I know that when he comes back, he's dressed as a World War One pilot. And they never really say anything about uh, about like any of the kids, like because if it, they they if anything seem relatively unchanged for the most part, at right. least their sense of time is uh, is uh, not is not skewed. And it's more of, like a long term, so it might have just been this like you know just this quick what would feel them almost an out of body experience, right. and uh, in the case of with Margaret where she gets the mark with like the two mountains, uh, Major Briggs gets his own and i mean you know it's like whether it's cyril Pons or alan uh who's mentioned on the twin peaks wiki we don't know what his symbol would be but uh but no it's uh there is something there is something to that
0: right
1: for sure but uh i guess the other one is that uh i, I know that some people talk about it uh but more less so in the secret history but in the final dossier when she's referred to as margaret colson in tammy presson's report
0: yeah colson was her maiden name
1: yep yeah, actually, that's the thing is that I know that there's some people where I actually I forgot that she was actually her main name was Colson until I reread the secret history. Yeah. I think I just got so fixated because I remember people you just see it in those bold letters like before on a on a dossier, and I think people almost saw it as like a and at least I, when I see people who talk about theories about how it's kind of convergent with our real world. Because uh, my initial thought when I when I read that was uh, was that I totally forgot in my first read through that Coulson was her maiden name. Right. I thought I was like, oh, maybe Mark Frost just wants to have this tribute on you know how wonderful Catherine Coulson herself was. Because right. uh, you know, and I, I always say this like about like any of the actors, and especially when I do get to meet them. But David Lynch really does see something special in someone. Right. Uh, you know, whether it's like a big role or a small role. Right. And while she might not have had a whole lot of screen time. uh for the original series or season three uh there's a lot of faith placed in her for those uh those bravo segments sure yeah because in the case of lynch uh he's very like explicitly by the script and for her to go for like either 30 seconds or a minute or even close to two minutes to just have this like you know just this perfect delivery on what is going on yeah i
0: love those intros Mm mm-hmm
1: no, and actually the one end is that uh, and again this is where it can get a little meta for some people but I think of how the ending of the final log lady intro where it just zooms in on her eye and she has like this concerned look um I don't know do you ever have any like thoughts on what that is what that implies
0: oh I don't know I mean it's you know those those intros he wrote them to kind of give you clues about that ep- you know about that episode so maybe it's just to kind of give us some foreshadowing of the fact that we're all going to feel like that at the end when like what just happened and where is it going to go from here and then we didn't know for 25 years you know?
1: could, could you imagine back in 1993 where you watch that on bravo and then you watch the finale and then you watch it's the ending with like uh dal and bob in the mirror and then right. that's it that's all you have oh it was frustrating i oh i would imagine that um i know that for a lot of people uh like we're like who because i i I think there's people in two camps there's the people on lynch's side where it was like when they made a prequel film and then frost was saying like i don't want any part of this i want to continue beyond that uh this is a bit of a tangent but uh it makes me think how when i first found out about Firewalk me i didn't even know there was a movie till after i finished the original series yeah. and uh because what happened was uh i was on netflix i thought to myself i was like yeah it's probably not but maybe season three is on netflix mm-hmm. and so i see it says titles related to twin peaks fire walk with me i was like oh what's that i am think it's like a documentary about like just the making of the series i was yeah. like wait there's a movie it's yeah, about Laura, but funny. but the but the first thing they noticed is that lynch wrote and directed it i was like okay he can like i know everything that's gonna or i thought i knew what was gonna happen right. but uh but, but I remember, like, thinking to myself, like, oh, you know, after the rough patch of season two, you kind of have to go back. Right. And uh, I feel like if I was around in the early 90s, I probably would have been on board on those grounds. Right. But I do understand why fans, like, with a cliffhanger like that would have wanted just to continue on immediately.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it makes me wonder, like, what the Log Lady would have done. Because I know that there was Firewalk with Me and there was, like, they were lined up to do two more movies after that. And it makes me wonder how much more prominent the log lady will have been. Maybe not screen time, but at least in terms of like her role.
0: Right. I mean, I just feel like she just she's just almost a pivotal a pivotal character in in that she's like a repository of information from this other realm. You know, she really you know her her log speaks through her, and she's getting these messages from you know this other other dimension or whatever it is you know and so i feel like she's just so important to the story yeah i can't imagine twin peaks going on from here even yeah. without catherine you know yeah.
1: i i remember actually talking about this uh the first time i met pam from the between two worlds group is that uh there's always people and i always been the end of a firm no of a season four but uh pam she brought up a great point about how uh basically the idea of anything after season three died basically along with Catherine Coulson mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's like even put aside, like, you know, of, like how many other people passed, like even before the return came out, right. but there, there's some very central to her character where I know that there's always people that want like more, like even like, I, I know that there's people even want to talk, even just if it was like a movie through showtime, right. but I'm fine with it just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, cause I remember when I first finished the season two finale I enjoyed it just as much as anyone else, but because it was rough patches season two, I remember mm-hmm. telling a friend, even before I watched fire walk with me is that I was like, Oh, if David Lynch had his own way, he would raise more questions than answers in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was, sometimes I get maybe not glares, but I do get people that have this like, what look on their face. When I tell them that part 18 is like my favorite part of the entire show, because mm-hmm. you really couldn't raise more questions than answers in such a harrowing way than that. Right. Yeah. And it, and it comes back to whole how even the log lady doesn't know when the electricity goes out, where she's not gonna give this implication of like if it's good or bad, or it's just like she just doesn't it know. Is. It right. it's like the only thing that she she, as far as I can think of offhand, that she just straight up does not know.
0: Right. But she knows that Laura is the one.
1: Hmm. And uh, it's it's so crazy that um you know there's a uh, I don't know if read John Thorne's article on Laura is the one, but uh you know it's like. Uh, how how uh, the log lady says that in the very first intro and then in part 10 that uh like the number of completion the log lady explicitly says Laura is the one
0: right yeah I was trying to look that up earlier to find out how many times she says it through everything and because she says it in the intro and she says it then and then I feel like she says it another time as well
1: she might have, but the only ones I can think of offhand, at mm-hmm. least, are the are the intro and part ten. But I feel like right. just those, like, given like one is like because in the case if you watch the Bravo, it, it watch on Bravo for the first time, you yeah. have no idea who Laura is. But Lynch wants you to know that she is very important, right. and then can and also like with part ten being the number of completion is explicitly stated by uh, Dale Cooper through the through the through the letter he gives to Bushnell uh, right. that he also explicitly states that right. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh yeah, and I guess the other one is that, uh, is that she seems to understand the significance of the colored gold. Where and actually the see, the one that really got me was like when she was dying when she says my log is turning gold. Oh,
0: that's when I cry every time. You're gonna make
1: me cry again. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but no, it's like uh, I and I, I, this might just go off on a whole different tangent. But how it's like there's the gold orb part eight. Uh, how like each intro, I think maybe with the exception of the full length part one intro where there's that like orb that like that what looks like a lens flare but might just be like the gold orb in some capacity and then one of the very first time the one of the very first uh scenes in season three is uh dr jacoby uh spray paint his uh shovels gold right because uh and i because i like that actually stood out to me is that uh that there's actually there's got to be a connection of like of like you know the gold shovels with like with uh margaret's log turning gold or laura with the gold ore, because you know it's uh it's pretty obvious that dr amp is like like a crazy like uh alternative news type of person but he mm-hmm. seems to set people off on a path where it's like he's like he seems to be doing a good thing on his own end uh and there's not really like that uh and to be fair he's removed from the mystery at that point but there's not that sketchy nature we had him from the original series right but But then you have Nadine where it's like uh, as crazy as like she could be where it's like that's her realization of like letting Ed and Norma like you know finally be together. Probably like the only like happy ending we could have had in any of part of season three. Right yeah. And
0: I, I, I wonder I wonder if the gold part comes from Frost or from Lynch because you know gold is you know it's like so important for space travel and for you know like it, it gold is such a it's an important you know of course it's pretty and it glitters and all that you know it's valuable but it's it, the properties of gold are very important for you know technology and things like that so i wonder if that comes from frost
1: yeah. i like the things that um i i think about this where um in some cases it's easy to do so frost but also there's times when it's like pretty hard uh mm-hmm. like usually i i kind of have it down where it's like if there's anything about mid 20th century or contemporary politics it's probably frost
0: right. uh
1: but then like if it's like no there's something more esoteric and people would misconstrue it as weird for the sake of being weird right. they would probably pig that on Lynch right. but uh and the, i guess the other one is that while the two of them, like, have a great working relationship, they're also not always on the same page. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, um, I know in the season two premiere where um, where uh, Dana Ashbrook, he was asking about the scene, like, with him and, and Major Briggs in the diner. Mm-hmm. And he asked uh, he asked uh, Mark Frost first. He was like, oh, how do I act in this scene? He's like, oh, you know, you're just kind of there. You're not really interested, though. And he goes up to Lynch before Phil, like, no, 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 that's completely wrong. This is the exact opposite and uh that like that was like one of the most like standout and i know that you and me were probably like, the only two people who love the season two premiere mm-hmm. right i know that even john thorne he thought it was like kind of below average at least the first time he watched it oh. but it's like but scenes like that like are like probably the most quintessential twin peaks moments for me okay, yeah and, yeah because i think that uh and again i know this is going from the log lady to just okay. season two for the moment but there is something about, like, how it captures, like, every moment, like, the dramatic moments, the humorous moments, and it ends with, like, what is, for me, the most terrifying moment in the original series, mm-hmm. and there's just something about how, like, Lynch, he, uh, I mean, you, you could probably tell then in some cases that a lot of that was Lynch, and actually, yeah, since we were talking about, like, crazy alternative news, strangely enough, he was actually, in 2018, I believe, he was interviewed by Alex Jones, of all people.
0: I know! Wasn't that crazy? Yeah.
1: And I don't know. Maybe Lynch just didn't really know, or maybe he just thought, "Eh, whatever." I
0: don't but know how that came to be. That was I, really weird.
1: I well, I think that well, a lot of it is that I know that there's a lot of conspiracies in the occult that uh, that Mark Frost is heavily into. I, I think do. that uh, Alex Jones he just kind of like weasel his way in, just like on those grounds, you know, because everything mm-hmm. pertained to owls or uh, or anything of that nature, and uh, and but through that lynch did confirm that the owls were all on mark frost doing
0: right
1: and yeah. uh yeah so <laughs> it seems
0: to because it's kind of like you know secret history ish like that weird
1: yeah had to say oh actually no there's one and uh this might actually have to do with how the subjectivity of the twin peaks books but mm-hmm. uh in in the uh secret history they refer to how after after her husband dies how she grabs a Douglas fir near Glastonbury Grove. But then I also decided to read the access guide to the town really quickly uh, after that. And they refer to it as a ponderosa pine.
0: Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that it was a ponderosa pine. That's
1: cool. Yeah, because I know that in conversations with Mark Frost, uh, Frost was talking about how how the whole idea is that there's a certain subjectivity of when people, uh, you know, write something down. Like, even Mm -hmm. like, even the most rudimentary stuff like for example in the secret diary how uh how laura misspelled shelley and Renette, yeah. where uh you know the whole idea is that maybe jennifer lynch just didn't really know like how to spell it and they just accepted it but yeah. there's like little stuff like that where it retroactively fits in at least about how we are indeed looking through the lens of one person that there's no like objective like this is what happened right. or in the case of the secret history where uh there's like very clear-cut giveaways where major briggs who is very intelligent but uh, you know he he does make a lot of missteps in his uh, deductions, and you know he gets information that might not be right. Or actually, in the final dossier, I was actually reading the part about Donna Hayward, where Tammy she refers to how she moves out three years after the events of season two, and she just turned 18. I was like, yeah. that doesn't sound right.
0: Right. It's
1: kind of like a just revisiting uh, at random in some cases. <laughs> so I. I... Maybe if I even if I just did a quick Google search of a ponderosa pine versus a Douglas fir, that could have deduced it. But yeah. I, I do, but I do think there's something interesting about how it, how there's always those that conflicting information and how that might actually be important relative to the fact that Margaret carries this log with her all the time.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I cause... kind of feel like to me, it's all like the whole dream thing about Twin Peaks just makes it easy for me to kind of just. All, all these weird inconsistencies and weird little things it's just like i try not to get too too wrapped up in, in them it's like well it's just like a dream you know things <laughs> don't always make sense in a dream you know I, not i'm saying everything was a dream
1: yeah actually yeah. i guess the because people have theories about what they view as a dream like where it starts where it ends um i know this is always a low question it's always ever changed for people right. but where do you stand on it in terms of like what would be a know, dream
0: like, I I don't actually you know I mean I've had so many years to think about this and you know even since the end of the return I still don't even really have my mind made up on what it is and that's what I love about Twin Peaks though because like I you know you watch any other show and they, everything's all tied up with a little pretty bow at the end and you know you're like oh that's great but then you forget about it and. Mm-hmm. Twin Peaks just constantly keeps me guessing and thinking and changing my ideas and, you know, just like real life, you know, you're going to look at things later and have different ideas about it and think different about it. And, you know, I love talking to people like you about the show and then learning things and seeing things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And like, well, yeah, maybe I was thinking about that wrong the whole time, you know? and
1: Oh, no, that's the thing is that uh, when I was like, uh, put aside the technical aspects of a podcast... I was looking through, I was like, oh, am I really out, am I really one to really be talking about the Log Lady? I don't know if you, uh, if you ever looked up 1400 River Road, but um, I talked to her back and forth, and I was like, I, one of my biggest concerns was like, you know, I'm not like a John Thorne, or I'm not a Take the Ring. I don't know if I really have the scholarly knowledge that they have, because uh, you look at John Thorne, he just feels like, just like a professor in his downtime and uh or then like take the ring he just has this like prompt like no there's like a certain eye for certain things fine. and uh yeah that's uh and so i think of myself i was like yeah i mean i've been thinking about this stuff for a while mm-hmm. and uh the thing is that when you when you have conversations like this it's not always like a clear cut because you know you look at people like you know say talking backwards or damn fine tv uh, of course twin peaks unwrapped in the you know years back uh there's all you know a lot of people do stuff by an episode by episode structure and uh you know the thing is that i do like that but uh there's always that part of me that's like oh you know if only they mentioned like i don't know hank but then like talk about him like you know in a larger perspective later on down the road or what about like uh harry truman like you know doing this later on or uh or you you talk about ben horn from like the original series in season three and those just, like feel like not ba- completely different co- characters in a bad way but uh, at least my interpretation is that there's just some so different about how they handle themselves and the oh, yeah. world that they're in.
0: Yeah, that's what I loved about about the return is that you got to see these characters 25 years later, and people are going to be completely different people 25 mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. Like Ben Horn and Dr. Jacoby, they were kind of creepy and sleazy in the first, and in, in you know season one and season two, you know, but by the time we get to the return, you know, they're just much more developed as people and as characters, and you get to see a, a different side to them, you know, and it's they're much more lovable characters in oh. the
1: return. Oh yeah. You know? Now I'll say for what I would say about Ben Horn another time, but uh there's definitely a lot that I think about like in season three where Yeah, because I know Richard Beamer, he said that he wasn't really he never felt like he got comfortable with the character. But I always thought that worked out because I feel like what was going on around him was a lot more interesting. And that's not slam against his character. It's just I feel like that was the point of his character. Right. But, yeah, no, that's the, actually, the other one is that if you ever watch season three as, like, an 18-hour movie, one, you have to prepare for it. But, two, right. there's definitely clues that you see that you otherwise wouldn't when you have it all run together.
0: Right.
1: Like, I think of, like, the, I refer as the non-character of Billy in it. Where uh, mm-hmm. I just think to myself, like, oh, there's something way more interesting about this. Because uh, I think the first time you just kind of hear it seems like a generic enough name. But then mm-hmm. you just see, like, all these different connections that just start to converge. And uh, it just starts, like, slowly changing, like, how you view the structure and the t- sense of time and who's mm-hmm. who who he knows or who he doesn't know. And if you have a certain theory that can really skew it one direction or another. Right. but. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the I guess like because uh, I said everything pretty much I had to say about uh, about uh, Margaret Cole uh, uh, Margaret Lanterman. Uh, was there anything you wanted to have to wrap this up?
0: Well, not really. I mean, I just I'm I, I'm just really happy we got to do this and like talk about this great character. And I mean, I, I learned some stuff from you. Oh, thank you. I think it's amazing that she had such a small screen time that was such a huge part of the Tempe
1: keeper. It just blows my mind. When I found out she was only in it for about 15 minutes, it, mm-hmm. it just, because it's sort of like uh, you always, you, you hear about this. people they talk about Leland in season one, where they mm-hmm. realize on a rewatch that he's really not in it that much. He just happens to be such like a highlight. Or, mm-hmm. uh, or in the case of season three, in my opinion, uh, Matthew Lillard, where I thought he was, like, far more central to this story, but each time I'm like, no, he's really not in it that much. He's not that central. He's just that great. Like, uh, it's (laughs) like his part when he breaks down in front of Tammy is, like, probably the best ugly cry I've ever seen in any movie or show. Right,
0: it was
1: amazing. Uh, But, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I've said everything I had to say, and it seems like you wrapped everything up very well. Um, I just want to thank you for coming on.
0: Yeah, this is really fun. It's it's great to talk to you again. Mm Yeah.